What is up, Lint Lucid Podcast fans? We are happy to have you back for season eight of the show. This season is brought to you by Vera Health, an amazing cannabis company located right here in Denver, Colorado. Visit our website, litlucid.com, to learn more about our sponsors and to view our previous episodes. And if you're enjoying the show, be sure to share with a friend and give us a review on your favorite platform. Without further ado, here are your hosts, Lucy and Jared. Welcome, everybody, to the Lit and Lucid podcast. We are here recording live with Andrew D'Angelo out of Oakland, California. Uh, You might be recognizing Andrew's name. He is the co-founder of Harborside Dispensary, which is one of the oldest, largest, and most respectable dispensaries in the world. He is also a cannabis consultant and strategic advisor with over 13 years of experience in the cannabis industry as a visionary leader of enacting social change and development best practices in the industry. Uh, His brother is Steve D'Angelo, so you might hear that name as well. Uh, And the two of them have done so many amazing things for this industry over the last 13 years, Uh, starting with he's also the co-founder and treasurer of the board for the nonprofit Last Prisoner Project, whose mission is to free and reintegrate cannabis prisoners back into society. He is also one of the founding board members and directors on the uh, California Cannabis Industry Association, which is the premier industry trade association in california and he also has a fun background as an actor he's appeared in various movies over the years and was recently on the discovery channel series weed wars Um, so andrew has done a ton of amazing things in his career um, and life path and it's really a great honor to have you on the show today andrew thank you so much well thank you both for having me i always like to tell stories and share my knowledge with your listeners and it's just a thrill to be with you today even under challenging circumstances right now yeah absolutely i know i was talking to jared before the show and i was like i don't even know where to start i mean i'm sure andrew has so many amazing things to you know tell us about um you've been a part of many firsts in california with harborside so you know why don't you just dive in i'll give you guys you free range to just start wherever you'd like and explain to us a little bit more about your inspiration behind uh getting into the cannabis industry Well, as you mentioned, Steve D'Angelo is my older brother, and he's 10 years older than me, so I was almost born into the cannabis uh, (laughs) industry. Uh, Steve was 13, 14 years old when he started falling in love and working with cannabis, and I was three or four years old at that time, and as we both grew up, uh, the relationship with the plant just deepened. Um, I fell in love with cannabis as a teenager. I wanted to be an athlete, a professional athlete when I was a kid growing up. So I didn't take cannabis until I had a bad injury, which sort of derailed that dream for me. And cannabis really helped me not only recover from the physical pain, but more importantly, make me realize there was more to life than just sports and, and that I could open up my mind to a whole world of possibilities and could be in anything I wanted and do just about anything I wanted. That's one of the things Canvas taught me at a young age is inspiration and hope and to dream big and, and go for it. Uh, that's one of the big lessons the plant uh, has to offer. So, you know, fast forward the last 37 years, we've been either selling cannabis illegally or legally, (laughs) or um, 
uh, or we've been working real hard to change the laws uh, to make cannabis legal. We are part of the Prop 215 movement to to make cannabis legal in California all the way back in 1996. We raised money and collected signatures for that. And we um, led several efforts uh, in Washington, D.C. and other places to, to legalize uh, cannabis for medical and adults, uh, certainly here in California. So that journey has been basically managing one crisis after another uh, in one degree or another, uh, particularly before we could change the laws. It was quite a stressful thing to do. And oftentimes you had to be cut off from the world and not be able to use electronics or see people and hide and um, uh, all that sort of thing that, that quarantines uh, also uh, force us to do. So, um, uh, strange how these survival skills um, get, get learned uh, when you're in the cannabis game as long as I've been in it. But I think we all, all of us, even if you've only been doing this for a short period of time, there's so many constraints in our ecosystem and there's so many hard obstacles to overcome that we're 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 more used to crisis management than most. Absolutely, to say the least. I'm, I'm thinking of some of the things that we struggle with, and and after hearing your story and kind of you laying it out for, I'm like, I don't even want to manage imagine the things that you guys have have encountered and kind of had to push through. You guys are really the ones that have kind of led this charge here, and the reason we're here kind of in a way to, to talk about it because you guys went and did the grunt work and you guys have been doing a lot of the back end work for years. So, so kudos to you guys. I mean, you guys are probably some of the, the seasoned vets as far as crisis management and <laughs> managing the stress. Yeah. Well, I think that, you know, we're, we're, we are. And, and to the extent that we have, you know, knowledge and lessons to share. We certainly will. Steve and I, our, our, our mission right now is to tell the stories and to share our experiences. We're at that point in our career where we really need to, um, uh, you know, not operate businesses so much, but, but, but be an inspiration for others to, to do even more amazing things than, than we did and, and, and set forth a vision that's, that's, large that's about our whole community our global cannabis community and and if you follow steve's social feeds or mine uh you'll see some of that messaging about how you know we're in a cannabis renaissance and we do have a cannabis creed and we are one tribe and if we come together we have tremendous power together uh, and we can affect a lot of change uh, the values that we hold dear that we learn from the plant um the world really needs right now and and we have a great opportunity as a community to contribute uh and i think we will and we are uh, you know our first job of course is to get cannabis to the people right now and 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 hopefully you know governments will continue to deem us essential and allow us to do that work uh people need their medicine right now more than ever and and our primary job is to safely we have to do it safely. We can't be spreading virus around, but yes. we absolutely have to get people their medicine. So, so, um, uh, so I think there's a lot for us to rise to the occasion right now. There really is. Yeah. There's something you said when you were first discussing your journey with cannabis and that was, you know, you want to be a professional athlete and, and cannabis kind of helped you make that segue from kind of realizing probably that 
uh, the chances of you being a professional athlete are kind of slim and you're going to have to figure out a next step in life. And I think a lot of people do get hung up there. I think a lot of people peak in high school and they don't know what to do after that because, you know, there's not really like a roadmap for everybody. Um, but a lot of it is just you have to persevere. You have to try things. You have to get out there and do things. And I love that you came out and said that, that cannabis helped you, you know, get hungry, find that motivation to continue pushing forward because you knew there's something better out there. I think that really rings true with a lot of people myself included, but I hadn't really thought about it until you said that, that, you know, cannabis does, it, to it totally gives you that energy and it totally changes your mind where you know that more is possible and you could do more. And, um, whether somebody's in like a depressive state and they're not sure where to go with their life or, or whether somebody's just using it to, to reduce the stress, to start focusing on their next steps. I think it does bring a lot of, uh, bring a lot more energy and kind of exposure to your life. Uh, and kind of help you really find a path forward. It's really cool. So it's it's kind of cool yeah. that you guys are coming out speaking about that because not a lot of people talk about that. Mm -hmm. No, I'm glad to hear you say that. That's exact. I was in a depressed state. You know, when you lose a dream like being a professional athlete because you got hurt, it's devastating when you're a kid and 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 you've invested so much into that dream and you've got so much passion and youthful energy and and emotion and spirit pumping through you it was devastating for me and and cannabis was a real salve for my soul where i was able to i didn't know how my life was gonna be different and and the things i would explore and it was a little overwhelming sometimes but i knew i had to follow something that made me as passionate and happy as sports did and keep just following the heart. And if I did that and <laughs> I kept smoking enough weed, <laughs> I'd get there eventually. <laughs> Who would have thought, right? <laughs> I love that. Who would have thought? <laughs> All right. Well, let's talk a little bit also about your guys' inspiration behind the Last Prisoner Project. I know that mission just came online in the last couple of years and it's really starting to take hold. Um, explain to us a little bit more about that. Right. Well, we've been busted. My brother and I both on separate occasions, um, and my brother in one just devastating occasion, um, were busted and, and, and lost everything. Uh, and we're look, looking at very serious legal cases that, that we had to manage. And, and, and thankfully, um, we, we managed them without having to do serious, serious, serious time. Um, but part of that was because we, the color of our skin, part of that was because the particulars of the cases we got a little lucky on. Um, some of that was because we were smart and we had good strategy. Some of that was because we had good lawyers. Um, some of that was because we had loving parents who stood behind us. Those privileges and those resources, a whole lot of people don't have. And, and, and when, when you get locked up, even just for few weeks or days even in our penal system you learn very very quickly just how brutal an experience it is and just how much um the experience is for people of color and immigrants and 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 not so much people look like me and steve mm -hmm. and it makes you angry and it made us very upset and you know over the years a ton of our friends have gone to prison some have even died in this war and it's it's something you, that stays with you it stays with us and and we've wanted to do something like last prisoner project probably for a very long time you know for years this 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 kind of work you did 
underground and you got people money when they were busted and you got people lawyers and you got people bail and you got people out and you took care of your people, you took care of your community, you did it all grassroots back in the day. Uh, and uh, nowadays, you know, we have a legal industry where people are making billions of dollars, we're being deemed essential by governments in the middle of a pandemic mm-hmm. and we've got people in prison, 40,000 just in America alone did the same exact thing all these other folks are deemed essential and making profits and lots of money on yeah. and it just you know we had the opportunity in our in the, in the stage of our career to finally say all right we can start a not non-for-profit we have the network of people that's where we found mary barry uh bailey and, and sarah gerson and and they are our leaders sarah's our ex- executive director mary is our a managing director and, and 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 these folks were in our network and and we were we just had we had the bandwidth and the will and the and 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 we were just at the stage in our our careers and where harborside was where we were able to launch last prisoner project and and the, the uh, our leaders have done a great job dean rays is another one of our leaders um he's a uh, uh a leader in the music industry has a band called Revolution that he manages. Oh, um, I know Revolution's like my my go-to. <laughs> I love those guys. Yeah, he's their manager and he's That's on our awesome. board too. And in fact, oh. Eric Rachmani's one of our yeah. advisors, and he's oh, cool. donated a ton of his energy and and, and talent and and audience uh, and ticket yeah. um, sales to Last Prisoner Project. He's been a real hero for us, um, and. You know, it takes a village to do this work. And, um, uh, you know, when you hear the stories of the prisoner, you know, Leland Dodd, a guy in Oklahoma, sold six pounds to an undercover um, cop 28 years ago. Oh, Oh my goodness. Um, He is in his 60s. um, And this, we got to get him out. Uh, All this guy wants to do is go fishing along the Arkansas River in Texas. Uh, That's the only thing he wants to do in life. Uh, and you know he's one of our constituents, and and, and Michael Thompson in, in Michigan also doing life on a three strikes. Uh, I think he sold even less cannabis than than Leland did. Uh, um, also, I th- I think he got uh, busted by undercover operation. So, and these are just in in Leland's case. Uh, poor white guy and in michael's case poor african-american guy just didn't have the resources they didn't have the safety nets me and steve did they didn't have the lawyers they didn't have the the fortune and and they're locked up for decades and so last prison project is all about getting them out people can go to lastprisonproject.org and you know right now the virus we're just trying to get all these nonviolent offenders not just cannabis but all of them out. We've locked up so many people in this country and we just got to get people out and safe right now or, you know, or people are going to have a very hard time in prison uh, during uh, Corona. Uh, So, so, so we're working on that last prison project is working on that. We have the petition on our website. People can sign to the federal Bureau of prisons to do exactly that. And, I know it's really hard to donate right now, but if you are able to, um, you know, all, 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 all of our money either goes to our staff or to our constituents. And 
oftentimes uh, right into their pocket, into their accounts at, at their prison, especially our Roll It Up program. Roll It Up program is a little donation jar we have at dispensaries across the country. So if you have a dispensary um, and you're listening to this and you want to participate, reach out to us, lastprisonproject.org. We'd love, love to have you. Uh, you know, we're re- really a little worried about funding going down during the, the crisis. It usually does for nonprofits. So we're scrambling. I just thank you for, for giving us a, a moment to talk about Last Prisoner Project on your podcast. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Uh, I know here locally, I know um, the county we live in is Jefferson County, just right outside of Denver. Uh, they recently just released a press release yesterday announcing they're going to release a ton of inmates um, just for this. And so I do think there is, you know, a good movement going on. Um, but I mean, not every municipality is on board. So I encourage you to check out Last Prisoner Project. I encourage you to uh, to make some moves, send some emails, you know, invite your friends, tell other people what's going on. I think some of these stories, like you just heard, are heartbreaking. Um, I mean, nobody should be in, in jail for cannabis, especially today. Uh, and like Andrew said, I mean, we're seeing all over now, cannabis is being deemed essential. And it's, we've all seen the memes. I've seen the memes out there of why are people sitting in jail for something that just got deemed essential and people are staying open for this stuff. And so I think it's it's something serious. I mean, if you're out there using cannabis and you're smoking a blunt or you're hitting your vape pen or you're taking your edible, I really think you do owe a little bit of credence to those folks who did sell it on the underground, who got it to this point, and who do have to serve time because of it, because it's still very much a real thing for those people and uh, something we can't forget about. Yeah, Jared, well said. Couldn't have said it better. Even if you only get five or ten bucks, you know? Yeah. That's huge. And, and if you're part of a big multinational cannabis company, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, uh, email me, andrew at andrewdeangelo.com, and uh, let's talk because I'd love to. You know, one of the programs we're still trying to fund is our clemency program. It's many hundreds of thousands of dollars, that program. And we need to find, you know, big, bigger cannabis company uh companies and players to to help us fund that so so if any of your listeners are part of that please reach out um and thank you jared very well said man yeah absolutely is this something that's nationwide in the u.s or is it global or is it america or where is this uh, uh, taking well, place at we're, we're we want to be global right now we're 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 in north america mostly mostly American, 90%. I think we're dipping our toes in Canada a little bit. Um, but we, our vision is to be global. We need to do this work everywhere. Um, so, you know, we have to grow our organization and, um, and, 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 and once we do, and and once we, we have things established really well in the United States, uh, we certainly would like to, uh, take it international. There's no reason uh, why uh, places uh, should, we shouldn't be able to do this at, at the international level. Uh, so I expect we will. I love it. Cool, guys. Go check out their website. Uh, hit up Andrew if you guys can help. Um, tell your friends. All those things. <laughs> Let's transition, though. Let's talk a little bit more about the cannabis business and COVID right now and the, the fact that a lot of these businesses were deemed essential um, I still think, like everybody, we're going to see some repercussions from COVID at some point. What are you seeing in the market? Well, sure. It, there's it's such a massive disruption um, that that right now everybody's stockpiling, particularly in California. 
and we're seeing actually more sales, not less. We've also convinced our regulators to institute curbside pickup. So now we're doing curbside pickup at our all of our locations, encouraging everybody to do that, not just Harborside. Please steal the idea. Um, um, you don't hear that uh, often. <laughs> well, it's best practices right now, man. Um, it could make it. It could make the difference between someone living or dying doing a yeah. curbside pickup instead of an in-store. Um, uh, we, 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 we are still open in-store. We are practicing social distancing. It makes it a little bit longer to move through the space. Uh, and you'll, our, our, you know, our staff looks like Darth Vader with the masks and the, <laughs> and, and the gloves and all that. And we've got cleaning crews. You'll probably see them disinfecting places, surfaces and stuff in, in the space all day long. So... We're following all the guidelines, and um, I, I, I just hope that we don't have any outbreaks in the cannabis ecosystem because then I worry how authorities might react, you know, in that mm-hmm. instance. Yeah, uh, so, so certainly we'd want to contain it, but I worry that the whole thing might get shut down if, if such a thing were to occur. So I think our best practices, we just have to really stay on everybody and 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 keep keep the the latest best practices that are coming from the CDC and, and whatever your local county health authorities are saying, make sure we're implementing them in our cannabis ecosystem, our community, and our businesses so that we can stay ahead of this. We 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 want to as long as we're deemed essential and we're allowed to stay open, we'll find a way to get cannabis to the people. We are used to overcoming distribution constraints. We're used to overcoming cash and credit and digital currency constraints and all sorts of things. And um, so we're actually well-practiced in a moment like this as long as we're allowed to do it. So we can't – we have to keep doing our political work to make sure that we're educating our electeds and uh, continuing to – win the the message that we are essential uh so that's very important work and best practices are very important right now and getting cannabis to the people uh first and foremost is our job and uh, we have to do that in a safe responsible way but we do have to do it because in the particularly in legal states and in the legal dispensaries are probably able to do that more safely than legacy markets in terms of virus containment. Uh, so I uh, just encourage everyone to keep doing that work and um, protect yourselves and make sure the vulnerable, the elderly, the people with pre-existing conditions are, 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 are not working as much or working from home or not at all and um, are following everybody's orders to stay at home wherever you may live throughout the country and the world um and 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 be safe and be mindful um and i think uh if all that holds and we're able to do our job i think that just on a pure revenue basis we'll be okay it will be it'll cost us more money to do our job um so margins may be thin what I really worry about in industry and, and even and all of our companies um, is running out of cash, running out of operating cash and capital as we, you know, try to cover our employees 
uh, as we try to get people leave, as we yeah, try absolutely. to help people with their child care, um, as we spend more money on each transaction that we are able to do right now. Um, I worry about people depleting their cash because uh, the, the, the markets are not reacting kindly. Um, uh, those of us who are on the public markets right now to, to the virus, they haven't been reacting kindly for the better part of the last year. Yeah. Um, and and so it's the the cash is probably even more scarce for us now than it was before, and and so it's it, that's one sort of repercussion domino effect I do worry about in our industry and in our companies is is just running out of cash. Yeah, because there's not a lot of places to uh, to go procure cash after this. I seen the SBA clarified earlier today on a, on a couple tweets or yesterday and. Made it pretty clear that marijuana businesses are are not a part of the uh, stimulus package, and so um, I th- mo- many of us already knew that. <laughs> many of us are no strangers yeah. to be turned down by banks and, and obviously federal agencies, but it still just kind of understates the fact of during crisis, uh, marijuana companies still have a a massive mountain to overcome just to serve the public. So make sure no, it's you're. It's a su- real shame that that. that- they can make an exception to all that they could do that um um they could do that with the the, it wouldn't be hard um at all and so that's real big disappointment um uh it doesn't surprise any of us that the feds aren't gonna bail us out or give us any relief if you want to call it a relief package or rescue or bail out i don't know um gotta look at the details (laughs) (laughs) where we can title it but um uh, it is a big disappointment, and and you know, cannabis people have always had to be self reliant. You know, for the longest time, I can't tell you how lonely it was thirty years ago, twenty five years ago, doing this work and deep, deep underground where you had to hide from the world. Uh, you couldn't even go to a nightclub um, uh, without exposing yourself to narcs. Um, so it's 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 not surprising. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, but it is disappointing, and we're all. That's why, as a community, we, we, you know, the more we can come together and unite right now and help each other, you know, the better. Um, uh, so I hope we'll start to see more and more of that. I think we will. I think the message that uh, a lot of these governors and a lot of these regulatory bodies have sent with deeming cannabis essential. That's going to be a talking point for for a while now. And I think that's basically more ammo in the marijuana industry's uh, war chest to then go back to the federal government at some point and say, uh, it was very clear during your crisis that this was deemed essential. And, um, you know, cannabis now is very much being rebranded as a medicine, which it is. And I think that's going to go a long way into the future. So I'm hoping maybe we can use this as an opportunity to educate the public and also edulate, educate regulators and our legislators about a better way to move forward uh we must use it as an opportunity are you kidding me it's a great opportunity you're absolutely right um we saw this in the last financial crisis in california all these municipalities all these towns all these cities all these counties who had bans on medical you couldn't get you couldn't open a dispensary you couldn't get a license um, and then the financial crisis hit, boom, yeah. and all of a sudden, everybody changed their tune, and they started issuing ordinances and taxing dispensaries and welcoming people into their communities. 
Um, and, uh, so I think, you know, and then Prop 64 passed and everybody banned again. <laughs> yeah. um, and so we might see in states like California where 60% of the state's banned or, or Michigan, it's even worse, I think 70%. Um, we might see some loosening up as local people need tax revenue. Yep. Um, not to say I want them to tax us, overtax us like they have in California. My goodness, don't do that. But, you know, 2 3% is something we can contribute to our communities and, and still compete with legacy markets and, and hopefully absorb legacy market and create one really lovely big market that everybody can participate in and be a part of. And, you know, there is opportunity in crisis always. And I've always sold more weed during a really hard time, war or natural disaster or recession or whatever it is that people need their medicine and even more so than on the good times. And, and I think we have that opportunity and, and politically we will have, this is something real to fear this virus. Okay. This is a real thing to fear. Okay. Cannabis is just this BS lie. Okay. Uh, a fear mongering lie, 99.8% of it. Um, and, and it's all smoke and mirrors. And when something real is happening, that's, really scary the smoke and mirror stuff kind of goes away yeah, <laughs> the smoke and mirror stuff is like hold on what are we doing <laughs> yeah um you know this is bs what are we doing forget that let them have it i gotta make sure i stay alive right now yeah uh, that's totally so, what happened that's what happened here so, in denver yeah yeah they tried to uh they try to ban marijuana they try to shut down recreational dispensaries yesterday and man within two hours they completely uh, changed their tune and went back and they made uh, retail marijuana establishments or recreational marijuana establishments exempt from their state home order and made them essential businesses. So, the well, smoke good mirrors, for the people yeah. of, of Denver for rising up loudly enough to incur- make that happen. Um, exactly. The people of Massachusetts have not been so lucky. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Massachusetts, so. yeah. I see some people speaking out about it and hopefully they can make some, some movement, but... Yeah, I mean, the people in Denver were not having it at all. So kudos yeah. to them. Yeah, man, kudos to them. You, you, you know, you always have to keep fighting for our rights. Um, it's amazing, um, uh, but we do. And, you know, Denver did a good job. San Francisco did a good job, too. That same yeah. thing happened in San Francisco that happened in Denver. Um, it was a little bit different circumstances in San Francisco than it was in Denver, but but then we lost, we're losing in Massachusetts. So, so, and probably other places I don't even know about. Um, um, uh, so, so it's, we're just going to have to keep it up. That's why I say earlier, keep up the political work. This is no time to stop paying your lobbyists. (laughs) Yeah. Very true. Very true. Um, Well, let's wrap it up here with, um, with some business advice for entrepreneurs or, or business owners out there. Uh, what do you got to to offer as some uh, helpful advice? Well, I'll tell you. I think the uh, vibe attracts the tribe, and the team is the dream, and 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 those are you know two bedrock principles. You have to have a good vision, right? One, work on your vision. If you don't have a really specific good vision for what you want to do in the industry, keep going back to the drawing board until you do. Then invest every 
ounce of belief that you have in that vision uh, once you've worked it out on your whiteboard and you totally believe in it and and you've analyzed it six ways to Sunday. Thirdly, make sure you're doing something more than just chasing a buck with your company uh, because uh, in the long run, you'll uh, pocket more bucks that way than you will strictly chasing them. Uh, for, uh, for, uh, and, and lead, um, um, lead in a way that, that, that trust and shared consciousness become your, your, your currency as a leader, not so much commanding and controlling people. Uh, and if you do those things, in my experience, you'll be a great leader, um, and you'll be able to execute your vision and, and, and be happy. There will be a lot of twists and turns along the way. And, and of course, being flexible is super important because as I said earlier, all we do is manage crisis in this industry and you will too, if you jump in it. So get good at it and, and, and remain curious and don't let preferential bias back you into a corner and give you a blind spot. Always be curious and, and understand that you might have to take a path a little bit different than you originally envisioned to reach the goal that you've been chasing so hard for so long. Uh, so those are some of the things I would say in a nutshell. That is all really great advice coming from somebody who's had, you know, ample experience in this industry in the black market and the recreational legal markets as well. Um, so we really appreciate that, Andrew. Thank you. Yeah, great stuff. You guys Thank got you, some... Jared. Thank you, Lucy. Thanks for uh, doing the podcast. I see you have over 80 episodes. So good job telling the story and keeping the community connected. Yeah, we appreciate that. Um, and for everybody, go check out Last Prisoner Project online. They're on Instagram. They have a great following and feed on there. Um, check it out. Sign the petition. I did that yesterday. So make sure you sign that. Share it with your friends. And if you have a couple extra dollars, um, consider donating um, and telling others to donate as well. Cool. Well, thank you, Andrew, for joining us today. And, and thank you guys and your brother for everything you guys have done for the past 30 or more years. Um, I mean, I'm truly thankful and grateful, and I know there's there's millions out there who are and who will still be um, have their lives changed by you two. So let us know if you guys need anything from us, and uh, we're always on your team. Thank you, and if you're ever in the Bay Area, look me up. Let's uh, go have a, have a join or something. <laughs> <laughs> that <laughs> sounds will. fabulous. All right, you guys. With that, I'm lit. I'm lucid. And that's it. Laters. Using the knowledge they gained in the pharmaceutical industry, Vera Health is transforming the CBD space with products that actually work. With their scientific formulations and a world-class team, Vera Health creates CBD products with superior bioavailability for endocannabinoid system support. Vera Health products include CBD oral micromist sprays, CBD topical salves, and CBD soft gel capsules. See what everyone is talking about and try for yourself at www.verahealth.com. Vera, because it works.